Guys, welcome back to the show. It is another evening podcast. It is Wednesday evening. We're here with OT from Dukan Media. Um, we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of things. We just got to know a whole nother subset of interesting <laughs> topics uh, in our in our off-camera chat. Yeah. Um, so OT, look, welcome to the show, mate. Thank Thanks you very much for coming in. Appreciate We've been trying to make this happen for quite a while now. Yes. Uh, so we're pretty stoked that you're, you're here. Thank you. Um, for I'm those excited. that don't know you, please introduce yourself. Give us a little bit about your background and, yeah. and what, are you, what are you doing today? All right, so... Um, my name is Omar Tom, commonly known as OT. I tend to credit this to my radio days. I actually don't remember where OT started, but okay. I'm just going to go with that story as it's okay. the one that okay. has been happening. Um, that was back on Radio 1? This is Radio 1 back in 2009, 2010. Nice. So, which was great because as a university student, you're on radio. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> great. Sweet. doesn't Sweet. get better than that, right? Yeah. Um, so, it was, it was a lot of fun. So, that's where it kind of kicked off and um, where my knowledge and excitement and interest started. Mm. Um, I got I was on radio and it was a time where we stopped taking phone calls on the show. Okay. If anybody wanted to talk to us, they had to hit us up on Twitter. Okay. And that was oh, cool. That's so you guys were like the change makers. Yeah, go. that was okay. that was so exciting. 2009? This was yeah, to early 2010. I think that's when okay. Twitter kicked off because okay. we were taking fo phone calls and at some point we stopped. So okay. the radio station had a Twitter account. We had our Twitter accounts. Yeah. Like, okay, let's do that. And then it just blew up on Twitter. And that was it. We were we were having okay. a lot of fun with that. And um Deve that kind of developed over time and I was in the advertising industry. That's what I studied. Okay. I got into, I studied integrated marketing communications. Yeah. I did my post-grad at Miami ad school focusing on strategic planning. And while I was there, I got to discover podcasting and I got to this whole new world of mm. content. And that was the time when serial popped off. So you're talking about um, 2014 and you know, it's kind of like that video we we're watching earlier about mm -hmm. what's it like to listen to um, investigative crime journalism podcast. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what it was. Like Serial just started and it was like, yeah. oh my God, nice. this is a whole new world. And you went from the rules and regulations of how to do radio yeah. to you can create your own show just now. Just a free-for-all. Yeah. 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 Just democratization of media, right? That's yeah. exactly it. And I was in shock. I loved it. And somehow I, I started to get into it. I wanted to do something, but not, nothing really manifested at the beginning. And while I was doing that in the Bay Area, I was in, I was in San Francisco, um, I got a job in Dubai, which okay. is perfect because this was home for me. I initially grew up here. I was um, born in Sudan. Okay. Three months later, my mom came out here. My dad was already establishing a new branch for his business here. Okay. So three months in, I came out here. So sh this has always been home. Um, and I figured, why not make the podcast here? So I yeah. took the job, came out here. I was a strategic planner at Leo Burnett okay. back then. And... I came back in early 2015, late 2014. Yeah, early 2015, kicked off the show by November. And that's when the kind of show was conceived. At the time, I started with two other guys. They were musicians. Because I figured, I know marketing. I know how to create content. I have an ear for these things. I, yeah. I understand that world very well. But I actually don't know how to create and produce a show. Okay. So work with musicians they know how to do these things anyway <laughs> so who did you start with? <laughs> so i started with um toothless and gibberish they were, were yeah. known as diligent thought yeah, back yeah, in the day of course, yeah. yep initially i actually wanted to start with uh, somebody else with a dj but things didn't work out <clears throat> and i saw these guys at their um right they had performances throughout the city back in you know they perform at like some of the bars and the night okay. venues in town and something told me after the show like ask speak them, them just speak yeah, to yeah. them and I walked up to him and I, I've known them because I interviewed them on radio. Okay. So I was like, hey, listen, so I got this idea of this thing called a podcast. And they're like, oh, we heard about podcasting. Let's do this. <laughs> and it was incredible. We, we got started and it took us a couple of months of trial and error. And mm. we were working out of Toothless's place in Sharjah. And it was one of those things where 
you know, the homemade studio of you take a treadmill, lift it up, open a closet door, cover it with a blanket, and that's yeah. your booth. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so it was, it was that kind of studio. Anything space. to avoid reflections. Yeah, right? <laughs> okay. and, um, and that's where we started off. We put it together. We figured out the show. And I remember the first thing I told him, like, this is not a hip hop show. It's not a music show. Okay. I want to talk about culture. I want to talk about our story, our narrative. And they were curious. And the reasoning was that while I was in the U.S., um, I was easily mistaken for an African-American. And then I tell people, no, I'm not. I'm from Sudan. And, oh, okay, what's Sudan? And where's Sudan? And then I start to explain that. And then I learned very quickly there were, there were two things that we were facing. One is that um, once they know you're from the Middle East, we're not the best-looking people in international mm. media, right? But then also when I reflected back to being here, people like myself, which were English-speaking Arabs or even dark-skinned people, did not, were not necessarily reflected in Arabic media. Okay. So I was like, okay, that's a space for us that we need okay. to tackle, own the narrative, have these conversations, mm. and see how we could develop that. And that's kind of the birthplace of the thought process of, okay, what the show is, I don't know yet, but we need to tackle this, mm. right? And that's kind of how we started to look into it. And Dukan made sense after a lot of conversations because... It, it, funny enough, the idea came about when we were hanging out at a Dukan, which is just a corner store. It's a little sure. grocery yep. in, in the neighborhood. And the theory is that it's the cornerstone of community. It's where we hung out. It's where our friends hung out. It didn't matter who you were, where you came from, what your background. It felt like home, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were the third culture kids in that space. Like it, Whether you're Emirati, you're English, you're Arab, you're white, you're black. It didn't matter. Everybody came together and you had a great time. And when I looked at it from a wider lens... It's the same thing if it's a barber shop, it's a nail salon, it's a hair mm-hmm. salon. It's a space where people come together, have discourse, talk, and address you know different types of issues. It might not even be issues, just let's catch up. It's been a while yeah, that I haven't sure. seen you. Let's hang sure. out and have a chat. So that's where the, the idea came to life. And we wanted to keep it as authentic to can show. Like, and I was you know coming from the agency world and strategy and like it has to be real it has to be authentic so we got to do it this way so it's not for brands this is who we are this is for the yeah. people yeah and we would sit with our zoom mic in the street recording street sounds because the idea was instead of having bed music we're gonna have street sounds so because the sonic journey of a listener needs to reflect that so when they're listening they, we want them to feel like they're sitting with us so the we'll can, s- yeah Right? <laughs> okay. Literally. So we'd sit there and record all the noises that nice. we'd experience. And then we'd walk in and buy stuff from the supermarket and have a chat with the sh- store owner. And we recorded all these voices and all these SFX. We created our own SFX library. Okay. And then th- obviously the guys being musicians, there was a guy, um, Sophonic, <clears throat> an incredible music producer, um, created the jingle for us and the sounds. And okay. And me being a, a planner, I think it felt random, but there was a structure like, okay the audio and the episode begins and ends in the middle of a conversation. Mm-hmm. So then the listener is somebody walking through, comes in and sits with us and joins us for that timepiece. Segments, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, so we structured and everything was created. And we did about 30 or 40 different recordings that are never going to see the light of day. Because it's just, we're learning it. It's like um, I came from a radio background, so we knew there's a set distance you need to have mm. from your microphone. Mm. They were rappers. They were up here. Yeah. yeah. Right? So <laughs> That's usually me as well. I'm not a rapper, but... <laughs> but you're a musician. Right? I've worked so, with mics before. <laughs> so he's, yes. always, he's looking at me. He's like, put your face in the mic. I'm, yeah, like, yeah. I'm, I'm like licking this thing. What yeah, right? And these are incredible <laughs> mics, by the way. These, yeah. these microphones are yeah. pretty good for this. Yeah. So you actually, you can be comfortable. Yeah. And the guys are in the control they got it yeah um so you know we had to go through these growing pains and learning pains and figuring it out okay that's how it works and as the show developed 
we were recording one of the f- issues I flagged and I always joked about this and I showed him my talks a lot. I show a picture for us as bedroom when we we're starting and I tell I tell that when we started this was where we were but we wanted to have guests on the show. Yeah. And probably one of the most awkward conversations I was scared of having was to tell a girl like hey would you like to come as a guest on the show? Because well you're going to come to her house's bedroom in Sharjah. <laughs> Not the easiest conversation to have. So um we kind of luckily at the time I was giving a talk at the Dubai Links. Yeah. And after my talk I had my Zoom and I walked around and just interviewed people. Uh, might as well make it an episode. And I remember dates now by episode numbers. I don't know if you guys have that sometimes. Um, <laughs> you know, so what, what number are you up to now? So now we're at 155. Okay. We have we got a way to go. Yeah, yeah we, get, we have about <laughs> 160 recorded. Um, so at the time I was doing episode 7. And a friend came to me was like, "Oh, you got to meet this girl. You got to interview her. She's perfect for your show." I'm like, "All right, cool." And then I go in and and that's when I met Reem. And yeah. I asked her the questions, Reem and I met, we chatted, and then offline we were just talking for hours. We forgot we were at links. We clicked in that way. And I found out she had um she had audio studios as part mm. of um her partnership with a different business. And I'm like, "Oh, hey, great. So, let me tell you about my show." And I kind of took that <laughs> opportunity we started talking about the Can show, and we found a deal that where we can get to use their studios. Yeah. And that changed everything. I mean, now I just had a rotating door of guests that would come nice. in and out. Uh we were having our our sessions there and it just became the space where the most unusual thing I've ever done in agency life was leaving the office at 6. Yeah. And I would leave the office, I'd go to their studios and I'd work from there till late at night. Whether we had a guest on, whether we were recording an episode or not, it just became sort of my new just workstation. Yeah. Yeah. That was it. And what what are some of the what are some of the biggest challenges that you face with trying to get a podcast? off the ground and now I put that in the context of I know a lot of yeah. listeners that we have here mm-hmm. both of us I'm sure you as well um get messages periodically saying look I, I really like what you guys are doing I want to launch I want to launch a podcast I'm not quite sure where to start yeah. um so you know what are some of the challenges that you faced that you guys overcame that yeah. you think could be a good lesson so for listeners the first challenge that we faced was that we love what you guys are doing what are you doing <laughs> okay. Um one of the most frequent comments is, "Oh, we love the Can show. I see what you guys are doing online, but what is it?" Okay. And that was a time where podcasting as a topic was an education gap that we we're trying to fill constantly. So, so people didn't even know what a no. podcast was. Um and for the most part, if you had an iPhone, it's the purple icon mm-hmm. that a lot of people would delete that app. When when yeah. Apple unlocked it, you can delete Apple apps. Yeah. That was one of the first apps that people would delete because they didn't use it. So then there's I'm like okay so let me tell you this is where you find it and I take their phone and subscribe for them yeah, like yeah. check it out this is what we do <laughs> listen to the show um and one of the things that helped us was that we had a 25 minutes music segment at the end of every episode okay. so feature DJs or for us would do the music mixes cuz he was he was moving into music production and DJing at the time yeah, yeah. so he he'd play music so like there's music nice. you can come check yeah, it out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing so we tied that into um the conversations um so that was the first challenge that we had to work with But I think overall of starting a podcast was just starting. Yeah. I think we spent a lot of time in theory mm. and figuring it out and identifying mm. and what's it going to be and I realized that it didn't come to its true form after we started. Just let's just start. Mm. Yeah. Because I think I was I got to a point where I was a little frustrated it took us about 2 3 months to just get started and have an episode ready and all that. Um it's it's a failure to launch as well that a lot yeah. of small businesses go through right because they they feel that they need to a map out the entire journey in front of them before they start because mm-hmm. they read in a book somewhere that you got to have a business plan that that yeah. that services every possible problem that you might you might come across yeah. which as we yeah. know is just a, that's yeah. just not practical yeah. and then the and then the other side of that is like mm-hmm. well when I press go 
Like now you go. Now the market's going to tell me <laughs> if my idea is good or it's shit. That's exactly <laughs> and, it. You know, and, yeah. and people are paralyzed by that as well. So yeah. a lot of people will stay in this theory space because it's pretty comfortable down here. Mm-hmm. You're like, no, no, it's it's coming, it's coming. Yeah. I'm, I'm planning. So just, I'm we're working on it. We're working on it. It's a great. It's a great story. It's a great. But then you put it out there and you're like, do you like it? Yeah, it's a great networking source. Like I got a show coming up. Stay tuned. Yeah, and you leave it there. It's very similar to like whenever even let's say in the content space, if you don't get the right amount of views, you get discouraged and and it's you know they lose focus. People sometimes about the the long game and it's it's and also making why that commitment. Why they're doing it yeah. yeah and i heard something this morning as well um whenever you start a new project if you make a commitment to yourself whether it's three years or four years or five years and say whatever comes along the way whatever kind of like downfalls or, or you know uh, losses that you might have along the way it's about the bigger plan it's about the master plan which yeah. is three years plan or four years mm. plan. Yeah. so it's not about you know whether two people are listening to your episode now it's like how many people will listen in three years yeah Potentially. and that's and it's, yeah. it's these incremental plays um, and yeah. that was the thing i think the one thing that really helped us out a lot at the beginning was i told the guys when we started like okay whether we have one or a million listeners should not matter we're doing this for a reason and i think once we put in the context of what we're doing is documenting a story yeah. of a person or our story at a certain period of time that 10 20 years from now we could reflect back on mm. right that become because it's time mm. stamped as soon as you upload an episode yeah. it's time yeah. that's what it's there for it's yeah. a documentation and, and it sounds there's a real why as to what you were, what yeah. you were doing right so i mean yeah. as, you, as you said at the start of this conversation we're talking about that that culture that didn't have a voice that you felt that you were part of mm. and there's peers yeah. that you had that you're like no one's no one's servicing our no. interests of media consumption so yeah. let's do it ourselves right so mm. i can see that there's a really strong why and then you're like well that's it even if no one's listening i'm enjoying it so yeah. exactly just, we're getting, just, just do it anyway going, right? yeah and uh, that was, and then and that's exactly it so yeah. when the team came about and then as we started growing and reem got involved and then akawi came about later it became one of those things that i didn't really need to explain they, yeah. they got it they like, just oh, got it. we're doing the this. right people will get it that's it one, yeah. one of the questions i thought um when you were approaching some of these subjects that you said that were not mainstream media that were not generally talked about um were there certain topics that you maybe especially back there how many years ago was this now we kicked off november 2015. okay so, so it's just about a few, a few years ago yeah were there were there any um topics that, that that came up that you were discussing that you got pushed back on you know, we shouldn't really be talking about this subject yeah. or especially because, you know in the market that we live in and yes. and, and, this, and the, the direction loads. you were taking it yeah loads did you um, get a lot of pushback i think so i was always the filter okay um so i was i was, I was the censorship guy okay. <laughs> okay. on the show so i think when we first kicked off coming from a music radio station i was like okay first rules first yeah. rule yeah that one no fly. religion <laughs> no politics okay we're not going to touch those topics uh the other thing was okay um cussing and you know it's a new space how do we navigate that we c- there are a lot that we couldn't say on radio mm. um back then with things like you know even things like pork or bacon you couldn't say that on radio mm. right or yeah or you couldn't say whiskey for example mm. you could say drink right <laughs> um so then we had to navigate these Malt worlds beverage <laughs> 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 <Cocktail>. <laughs> exactly cocktail you could say cocktail you know um so coming from that school of thought I was like, okay, so how are we going to do this? And I figured, let's just test it out. We can cuss, but yep. since we're the Dukan, we'll censor it with a car horn, right? Okay. So we let Dang people yeah. say, what, and come, we were interviewing musicians and artists. Yeah, and, you know, you're not going to censor them. No, <laughs> you can't censor these guys, no matter no. how much you try. So yeah. like, let them do their yeah. thing, and everything is in post anyway. Yeah. So mm. it's okay. We can we can so record for four hours, yeah. cut it down to an hour. We can censor, choose the best parts. We had that privilege now, which I didn't have in radio because it's live. Mm. Right? Mm. In radio, anything goes wrong. There's a red phone that's going to ring. Right? Sure. So like, you got to be ready for that. <laughs> I'm ready um, for the red phone. 
Yeah. So, so how is how is Dukan Media changed from so the show yeah. into media? How what what happened? That there? translation. So um, I always had at the back of my mind that I was about to set. Build, I w- always knew I wanted to create a business in this space of okay. some sort, and this this was I think a result of many late night conversations I've had with Reem. I've, I've had with my dad. Mm. I think watching him navigate his world as a business person taught me a lot, and. I, and it was one of those, I think, passively I always knew this was going to happen because yeah. every uh, agency and every business I've worked in, I wouldn't just do my role. I want to know what how finance operates. I want to know how the management mm. operates. Like, I would go to lunch with all my heads of department just mm. to re- figure their world out. Okay. Um, I would try and figure out what the designers go through and the creative team. And mm. I, was, as a, I was in strategic planning. And then mm. as a strategist, all I knew was, okay, research and finding mm. insights and developing mm. strategies but i wasn't really engaged in client servicing sure so how does that work how do you quote how do you invoice what's the po like just yeah. learning that vernacular as well and i just tried to hone that knowledge as much as i can until i felt like okay i'm ready to jump ship mm. and at a point we won uh, a, be- a very big account because of a 30 second soundbite from the can show that i used in my strategy okay and as soon as i did that i'm like okay i gotta go now because yeah. I saw there's some value there with what we were doing. So like, okay, I need to do this. And as soon as I, b- I was ready to jump ship, Reem uh, sat me down and said, hey, I had a budget for a salesperson. I'm willing to invest in your business if you want. I'm like, perfect. That, that helps. That makes my life yeah, a lot easier. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. do this. Um, by that time, um, I was already in that space of, okay, I need to figure this out. I had nowhere to work from. How am I going to do this? And then, you know, getting into trade license conversations and sure. understanding that world. and. Yeah, yeah. I was already invested in it and like, all right, great. I, I won um, a trip to Cannes Lions Award that year for the IA competition. Okay. So submitted my resignation, won the award, got on a plane to Cannes. Nice. So it happened Which back to back. So this was um, 20, 2017. So June 2017, I was out. Okay. Um, June 2017, I made my decision. It said I started building, just setting up building blocks mm. for me to leave. Given my resignation by the end of the month, July I won the uh, I won the award. August yeah. I was at Cannes, so that gave me. Now I'm coming to Cannes with a fresh point of view. Yeah. So I had ideas and all these things that I wanted to do, and all these people I wanted to talk to and gain knowledge right. from and connect and network. I'm like, I'm not limited to the space I was in anymore. Yeah. Now I'm doing this for me. Yeah. So that and was a good place Cannes. to to really. So it just yeah. So it's just yeah. things worked out like I could have not planned this any better. Yeah. You know. And it was great because then I got to sit with Gary Vee for a bit and I interviewed mm-hmm. him while I was there. And the best investment I ever made was this lapel mic for 200 dirhams. You connect your iPhone and yeah. you're a going podcast yeah, yeah. station. Yeah. Right. Um, so I got to meet with him. I met with Abraham from uh, the pop up agency. I met with the heads of agencies in Ghana and in Africa and in the nice. U.S. Mm-hmm. And I just sat with all kinds of people. And some of these conversations were for podcasts. Some of the conversations for just for me to understand what I've gotten myself into. Sure. <laughs> and by the time I got back, I'm like, we're doing this. But yeah. I still got four weeks before I can leave the office. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to keep doing this in the evening. And we just kept at it day in, day out till we left, set up the trade license, moved everything. And at the time, it wasn't even called Dukan Media. Okay. Uh, we had this idea of let's separate the conversations. This is business. This is passion. We're going to, you know, draw a line between them. And I, we called it cause culture. Okay. That everything we do, we do because of culture and we mm. cause cultural impact. So mm. that was the structure of the business. And 
I realized talking to people, there was no elevator pitch. I yeah. need to explain to you cause culture. Mm. And then I got to explain to you the can show. And it was this tough yeah. But then everybody goes like, oh, you're the can show. Right. So we yeah. had to like, okay, this is not working out. Yeah. And at the time, we came into the picture and we realized, well, why do we not just stick to the can since that's what everybody mm. already knows as it is. So we changed the brand we changed the entire business to the can media mm. the model was the same the structure was the same we had a new partner that came on board now akawi and it became the can media and reams uh, video production company which was collective so sister agencies we have you know complementary services yeah and we just as soon as we did that again it's just things started elevating you know because yeah. we you accelerate you get to a point where you plateau and then something unlocks and then you start accelerating mm-hmm. again and as soon as that name it's shift happens it's never linear is yeah. it never yeah. and there are days you know as soon as summer hits you feel like oh well damn i like business slows down what are we doing now and mm. where are we gonna make money and you, you have these concerns because it's just summer as and then you realize you're actually pitched a couple of times in summer you give up hope mm. on him October comes in and you're, you've won the pitch. I'm like, yeah. oh, great. We're doing that now. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, so we, you go through the waves, obviously, yeah. with the market. And you try to figure these things out every day. And it just became one of the most exciting journeys because now I, one day I went to bed. The next morning I woke up and there's a team of people. Yeah. And we got office spaces and all nice. that's happening. I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay, this great. Is, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, and yeah. No, it's, it's legit. Like yeah. now you're, it, yeah. the, it's not about you anymore. You're accountable for every person in that room. Yeah, sure. You know, and, and I, it's, it, I love it. Like there's the growing pains of it. I think in the moment, at, I think for me, felt overwhelming and daunting. And I, there's this moment like I can't sleep. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. Yeah. And then the next day you look, but in hindsight, you've actually done so much and you've come such yeah. a long it's way. That, it's the imposter syndrome that we've spoken about. Yeah, yeah. As well, right? definitely. Yeah. And then it's it, like the progress will never be, you know, linear. And it's it's always you have to look back and, and see yeah. how far you've come. Yeah. But this is I think, you know, you've kind of like summarized your journey so far in a really nice way. And for everybody who's listening and who doesn't know the can show, definitely recommend it to, to go yeah. and check it out. Um, but it's amazing how you took culture mm-hmm. and you've translated the conversation of culture into a business. Yeah. A lot of the guys who we meet in, in companies, you know, they're they're far detached from what really happens in culture streets and, you know, the cool kids. Like sometimes, yeah. I, I mean, I feel old now. It's like, you know, <laughs> just with a TikTok. I mean, you, you still know, are, but just uh, a yeah, different yeah, exactly. age bracket. But we're still cool. kind of gray hairs. But like, with, you know, with the TikTok <laughs> conversation, with so much happening yeah. so quickly, the frequency of the culture changing today is much faster than oh, dude, no how joke. it used to be back in, back in the day. I mean, we both grew up in, in, in the UAE and I remember when it was you know back when we had to organize concerts and music shows and we were get shut we would get shut down by police basically yep. because it was it was not <laughs> it was not as something that was like open yeah. and accepted so to versus today where it's like everybody wants to support mm-hmm. and which is an amazing sort of support community but then coming in and finding that super like dedicated niche when it's mm-hmm. about the culture when it's about and then commercializing it and finding yeah. out how can you, you know, translate that into a business, which is an amazing mm-hmm. um, transformation. But how do you keep up to date with the current culture and how do you stay connected with the yeah. current culture today? So I think the short answer for that is open mindedness, like talking to a 10 year old the way I'm talking to you now. Okay. Like actually take the, take them seriously, take mm. what they say seriously and have that conversation and they will tell you about their life. Mm. As soon as you sound slightly condescending, they're, they're not going to have it. Right? So just having this openness. Yeah. Um, the long answer is I try to make friends of all ages and all kinds of like my siblings and my cousins. Mm. They're my guinea pigs mm. for every idea we have. Um, when I, like, for example, when we're starting the can show, 
at the time i had two of my cousins living with me they just moved in from saudi they were living in my apartment so we had like mattresses in the living room yeah. and you know, it was just like it was a frat house and i would run all my ideas by them you know, and just try to figure out what they yeah, think see what lands exactly and understanding you, your audience in a way, that's yeah. it and okay. because i was like i get podcasting at that time because i've targeted maybe an older audience i was like um mine is not about an age group but more of an interest right yes. it's mm. the creative community mm. so you could be older or younger but like you're the creative class so what do you think about this or what do you think about this and then we'll sit and talk about it and it was various people and then i sent it to my old um college friends from san francisco i was like yo what do you think about this and they thought it was the weirdest thing they've ever heard and mm. they're like oh my god there are more people like you like yeah there's, <laughs> there's a lot of people like me out here <laughs> we you thought know? it was just you <laughs> <laughs> and um and i'll share that with you know i remember i shared it with my bosses at the time at the, i was still i was still in agency and they're like yeah but it's not focused like what do you mean it's not focused they're like oh you're telling me you're gonna have a show that's gonna talk about everything mm. like everything within the space of culture yes and they're like yeah. so what do you define culture as uh, and my answer was it's different elements in practice are what makes up a culture so i can so for example art without the practice of it doesn't mm. exist so mm. for art to become part of the conversation of culture it needed to exist so mm. you needed to have a mural or you needed to have a song or you needed to have a piece that was an artistic mm. output that then becomes part of the conversation mm. if we talk about food food is a big player in cultural conversation mm. so then that's gastronomy but unless you've tried lebanese food you might mm. not have an idea yet right yep. and food is a is a great equalizer you know bread the concept of breaking bread so then there's food mm. there that plays mm. a part and you know um music and language and but vernacular did, and slang. In, in terms of the focus within yeah. that within that vertical of culture were you focusing on a certain type of person a certain type like would they be relatable to each other whether they be 14 yeah. and they're on their skateboard in the street yeah. or they're so so within that space it was open to anybody that had a story to tell yeah and was a third culture kid Okay. Right? That mm. was the focus at the beginning. Um, musicians, I mean, if you if you look at our, our show, I was about to call it a discography, <laughs> but if you look at the journey of yeah. our show, we had a lot of musicians at the beginning because they're attainable. A mm. lot of them were friends. Yeah. So we'd get artists and DJs and singers yeah. and come on the show and, you know, Which we'll would talk have set about the, it. naturally set the tone, right? Exactly. And then as we were doing that, I had plans of, okay, we need to have CEOs. We need to yeah. have entrepreneurs. We okay. need to have chefs. We need to have different people. Mm. Sometimes we don't have, we don't need anybody. Let's just talk. Let's just mm -hmm. catch up because I have a lot to share. You know, these guys were my friends, whether they're artists mm. and Reem as a businesswoman, she had a lot to say. Mm. Um, and Reem was probably one of the best guests that came on this show at the time because even the title of our episode was Courage, My Love. And she <laughs> talks about needing to be brave. This, um, this story of, a woman who is from two different countries from a difficult background and then you know beating all, all the odds and making it and becoming mm. a lawyer and becoming a very successful businesswoman in this journey where it was one of those moments where like i did not imagine this i could have not thought of this conversation and this was yeah. i think the benchmark became i gotta learn something from everybody here yeah and that was it. Like mm. uh, everybody became a school for me. Mm. Um, when we had Fahad Bateri on the show, he introduced me to so many things about Saudi that I didn't know. And this was mm. one of the leading content creators of Saudi. And the journey had on YouTube for 10, 15, 10 years where they started from, like when I started, my audience was 13. As I got mm. older, they got older. 
Yes. And sometimes you forget about these things. You know, it's like, oh, they're growing up with you. So then his content had to change to address their new Needs, developments yeah. you yes, know, yeah. as, as an age group. Yeah. So I've always found these re- things interesting. And I realized that it literally became about having discourse and talking and coming together. And I'll tell people, like, I can just put a mic anywhere and I can turn that into an episode now. Mm. And that was one of the biggest advantages the Kansho gave me. It's, um, it, it's, it's so powerful, isn't it? Yeah. And interesting, going back to... Um, uh, previous guest, a guy called Brian Keane, who's mm-hmm. our last um, show. Yeah, yeah, on the last show, completely self-made. He's in the fitness space. Comes from a personal training background. Has built out a very successful online business. Mm-hmm. He's um, the number one fitness podcaster in Ireland. Uh, he's had what, 2.5 million downloads. He's having 100,000 a month. Um, he's got two different podcasts now. He's just releasing his second book. Um, the guy's just like a, he's a firecracker. Mm-hmm. He's just just 24 7 24 and it's interesting what you were saying about testing content on the audience before you worked out yeah. what was actually going to work and what wasn't so you're saying that you had your cousins fortunately they were there mm-hmm. and they're of the age group they're the type of people you were trying to yeah. speak to so you're like what do you guys think about these three things and they're like mm-hmm. those two are rubbish that one's interesting and you're like yeah. cool we'll go with that one yeah and he was he's been doing the same thing with them um, uh in a slightly different space for his new book is uh the, um, rewire your mindset. Rewire your mindset. Mm-hmm. Very much a um, mental strength, mental focus, yeah. uh, how to sort of rebuild your mindset, to rebuild your life. And how he came about the different chapters in the books and different elements. He also does uh, quite a lot of public speaking. He has, this, he has seminars. Mm-hmm. So he does this rewire your mindset seminar and he just tests all. I mean, he's a very, very good public speaker, very, very well put together. And um, he tests all this different content and he'd be like, those three things land every single time and like the crowd loves them and then these three things are like not so great and these ones are okay so how can i tweak these to get them up there right now i've got like six things that we know every single time so from doing that and testing it on his audience the same guys he wanted to sell the books to right Mm -hmm. eventually so then he goes back and he's like right well by the end of it he pretty much knows he's got a book that's going to work because all that content has been tested on the audience Mm -hmm. in the same way that you're testing the audience but i think it's something that a lot of people a lot of people miss. There's two ways. There's two, I suppose there's two reasons Understanding why. Understanding the metrics, right? Yeah. Like, there's, oh, also, oh. There's, there's two reasons why we, we do these. Some is like it, it's purely personal. You mm-hmm. just want to jam. You just want to chat. Yeah. It's cool. If you do have a thought that you're trying to appeal and add value yeah. to a certain group, like you yeah. are with culture, like we are with entrepreneurship, content yeah. creators, mm-hmm. um, business leaders and the like, you need to think from, from their perspective in terms of you know, how are you creating content for them and how are you going to see what lands, see what tests before you can start to really sort out your, your content strategy, which I think you're doing What's really your audience well. seeking as well? I think that's, yeah. you know, and you can, you can learn a lot about your audience about how they interact with your content. Yeah. Oh my goodness, There's yeah. a lot of people that don't pay attention to the metrics or maybe like from an agency perspective now, content creation is, you know, where are they falling off? Where are they tuning off? You know, what kind of topics you've introduced to the yeah. podcast mm. or to the, to the video or to the piece of content that you're like, okay, now I've had yeah. enough. So there's definitely a lot to learn from the metrics, yeah. but there's a question that I wanted to ask you as well, as, as somebody who's really focused on culture. Today, especially with the younger generations, a lot of them are getting influenced by, of course, like the new sort of trendy you know, positions. I mean, you ask today everybody who's graduating from high school or some, you know, school, yeah. they're like, What's the, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a YouTuber. Yeah, I want to be, yeah, content, I want to be an influencer. It's scary though. It's, mm-hmm. it's insane, right? Yeah. It's crazy. So like, and then, but, but then, of course, these influencers, I'm not going to take away the fact that they are influencing culture, mm-hmm. but then there's a lot of the people within that culture are just following the footsteps of they kind of like became modules now or like yeah. sort of pre predefined boxes and the question here is like how much 
through your channels of podcasts and, and interviewing those guys and people, um, how much are you no noticing like culture creators and culture followers? Because mm -hmm. everybody wants to belong to a cool culture, right? Yeah, and then there are very few people that kind of are breaking the mold a little bit and creating a new culture. Mm. Like for example, when, when um, Sold XP was started here, it was a new niche, yeah. but globally it was there. Yeah. You know what I mean? And of course, yeah. like the, the local twist on it, <clears throat> there was a twist on the, on the content locally that just made it relatable. That's similar right. to the Decantro as well. Yeah. So like you guys were the, the content, uh, the, the culture makers yeah. and, and or influencers. Uh, but I see a lot of culture followers mm -hmm. and you know, I'm just like, it's, it's, it's a little bit. You mean like the herd mentality? Yeah, kind yeah. of. In yeah, comparison it's like, to those that are actually sort of ground trying to try, Trying to take the influence from the current cool cultures, mm. but like make something out of it. And I feel like, you know, like you know, whenever we learn from people and, and, and that's that's an amazing way to absorb yeah. and then create. And whether that creation, it doesn't have to look like what you're creating, but it could be a, a bit of an influence of what you have, yeah. a bit of influence of what you have. But then mm. you come up with a, you know, they, they, there's, there's a famous saying that art is never created. It's always stolen. Right. Or yeah. like the best artists are the best thieves or some of that. So yeah. I'm, 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 I'm <laughs> bambishing this one. But 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 basically like. And, and that's cool, but then yeah. you find people who are just copying the formula. Yeah. You know what I mean? They're like, no, but let's just copy whatever mm -hmm. exists. And, yeah. and when, whenever we see clients do that, it's just a little bit disheartening because there's a lot to be created and there's a lot to be made and learning from culture, integrating with culture, but then adding your own twist. You know, being associated with somebody who's an influencer doesn't make you cool. Like, yeah. what are you yeah. adding to the culture that's yeah. going to make you cool? Yeah. So, yeah, I completely. So, I think if we take it from an old school business model, hmm. um, if you take retail, for yeah. example, back in the day, before the malls, you had street shops, mom and pops, right? One of them is going to set up a business. It works. I was like, oh, I could do the same. And then you're going to open yeah, up exactly. next door. And then yeah. another guy's going to open up next door. And then mm. you're going to have a street full of options. That's why you have an industrial area. Yeah. So you want to get your tires changed? You have a lot of shops lined up yeah, next to each other that you can choose yeah. from, right? And I think that model has always, has always been there and it's yeah. always going to be there. Um, and then the one that will innovate is the one that's going to yeah, get most out. of the attention. Right? Sure. And I think that's what we try to consult and advise our clients. Like, hmm, how about yeah. we do it this way? And, yeah, yeah. oh, you could do something different. Um, a few days ago, um, Danny Neville, Danny was on his Instagram. And he had a great point. He was given, he, um, I think a, a brand reached out to him for a collaboration. Hmm. Um, it's that time of the year. Soul DXB is coming up. A lot sure. of brands are excited. And Dan said, thank you guys so much. But I don't. You know, like if I get this and I'm paraphrasing, but if I get this, I get it as a gift. You're going to expect me to put it up on Instagram yeah. and just to put as an Insta story. But let's be honest, it's it's not my brand. I don't affiliate myself with it. You guys don't affiliate yourselves with me. Nice. So as much as I appreciate the gesture, I'm going to have yeah. to say no. And I thought that was incredible. Like, yeah. just, mm. it's a great way to put it. But he's also in a position he can do that. Of right? course. Like, like imagine Dan, if Danny's somebody's just starting up. Yeah. yeah, yeah they'd no, be like, if, yeah, send it to me. If, exactly. Right? <laughs> so like, and, but, and this yeah. is what's great. After he posted that, he went and wrote a series of Insta stories that's just giving advice to that yeah. person of, yeah. okay, listen, as an artist, a, a musician, a micro-influencer, a designer, whatever you are, if brands want to associate themselves with you, ask yourself these questions. Hey, brands, before talking to anybody, ask yourself these questions. You know, does this person actually fit with us or are we just giving it to him because nice. he's got numbers? Yeah. Um, mm. You know, um, has he, does, would this person actually buy our product if we don't gift it to him? Has he have a his, does he have a history mm. of being a fan of our product? Nice. These are questions brands need to ask themselves, right? But also, hey, artist, designer, musician, influencer, um, let's be honest, do you really care about this product beyond them, the fact that they're gifting it to you? Yeah. And saying, hey, guys, thank you, and shout out on an Insta story and yeah. showing a product, is that yeah. really who you are? Or is there a deeper narrative that you want to portray sure. with this? And I thought that was 
a very well structured piece of conversation yeah. that I think we try to have with our clients and yeah. we try to tell people, but it's great coming from somebody like Danny where you're yeah, like, yeah. Hey guys, this is something we should all consider. And hopefully yeah. it resonates. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the only, the only sort of anomaly from that formula I would say is if you are somebody who's trying to review a product and yeah. if you're open to give your honest opinion, and if you're sort mm-hmm. of allowed to say it's a shit product, then, yeah. <laughs> then cool, go ahead and accept it, you know, <laughs> because then it's a yeah. review. Mm-hmm. But that's the difference so, between the review and the, and, 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 a, and a plugin or a feature right? or something. But yeah. yeah. I, look, yeah. All, I see all of this comes back to, quite clearly back to authenticity. Mm-hmm. And it's a space that everyone got very excited. Everyone has been very excited for quite a long time about this influencer yeah. concept. And um, you know, we've worked with influencers in the past and mm-hmm. we're asking the questions as, as you are. Like, we're not just trying to go for numbers. And, yeah. and, and brands have to ask themselves these questions. Back a few years ago, fine, the um, macro influencers pushing product uh, they just uh, the brand saw it as another media channel, another visibility channel um, to create mass awareness. Mm. Now people are a lot more savvy yes. with who they follow, what they listen to, understanding that a lot of the content they're consuming is our ads coming mm. from these influencers. And it's about you know you, you can see r- like campaigns work really well when they work with the right people yeah. in an authentic yeah. way, mm. and it's a product that that person would use even if they were give, being given it or not. Exactly. And they can give a real genuine mm. endorsement. And the ROI is clear. Yeah, yeah. and then, it, then, then it's clear, and, that, and then it works. The problem is it's with lazy marketers coming in and saying, right, well, those 10 people have got X following, let's just throw yes. some product out there. And you know, I, like people said, I, I get some product in, in, the, in the fitness space. Mm. And I look at it, I'm like, I'm not. I'm not wear. I don't wear that. Yeah. Mm. I, like I. I just don't. Like, mm. why are you sending me? Just because I'm on a list. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You're on a list. I, I, gave, I gave six pairs of trainers to one of the guys the other day, all in boxes. I was like, yeah. I will yes. never wear any yeah. of these. Yeah. <laughs> but like, you just say, like, guys, come on. Like, if, if yeah. you're gonna, if you're gonna speak to me, at least look at. And I'm no influencer. I mean, it's just yeah. a few thousand followers. But it's sure it, influence few people. It's brands. <laughs> no, no. But I, I just mean it from the context of brands trying to speak to, let's say, people in the running space. And yeah. this is, you know, that's a space that, that that I'm in. And if they're trying to speak to, or rather, leverage. Uh, micro influences in that space then no, mm-hmm. then they might say mm-hmm. right tom can you post something mm-hmm. on this yeah. but for me it's like there's so much of the stuff where i'll be like mm-hmm. eh, you know yeah. what and what's <laughs> like, interesting i'm not is gonna post that i completely agree and the thing is i understand some of the marketeers ways because when you look at the old model of which still happens sometimes like soccer players that are sponsored by fast food joints yeah that's i mean yeah, yeah. you don't eat that as a soccer yeah. player as a mm. multi-million dollar soccer yeah, who, player who is it was it, um, was it ronaldo <laughs> or was it messi it was like kfc yeah, or something. exactly and you're like mm. come on man like yeah. there's you're no chance you're eating none, food right yeah. but you know that deal was big enough they're like oh we'll take it but then when you tell me cristiano ronaldo is with nike i get that of course yeah, you're a it, soccer player that that yeah right which segues <laughs> nicely into what you've um You've grown the business and evolved the business from you know, from the podcast into the cam media, and then going on mm-hmm. to some of the stuff we were saying offline earlier around your role in this space. Now we were talking about mm-hmm. culture, how you're connected with that through the podcast, how yeah. you've been brought up with it, and how you're becoming a, a, a real hub. Or mm-hmm. You are a real hub in that space. The brands are now understanding that we can't just rely on the five planners that are in a room that yeah. are 35 plus to try and connect with a sold DXB audience where yeah. none of them would even go to that event. Yeah. So what do we do? Yeah. And then they speak to yeah. brands that were sort of rather um, consultancies like yourself because they say, right, well, we're wise enough to know that we need to do this authentically. Yeah. Otherwise we're going to get 
torn to, torn yeah. to pieces yeah. for trying to speak to a market who's all about authenticity. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't speak that market correctly, you, your, your campaign yeah. and your brand are going to get shredded. Yeah, like, how do you so, sell without selling out? Yeah, yeah. So, there we, so there we go. How do you sell without selling out? So they bring somebody like yourselves in. And then so what role do you then play for, for agencies and, and so, connectors? Yeah, so for example, I mean, now between Reem, Akawi, myself and our extended team, everybody has areas of expertise that they're great at. Okay. Um, for example, Akawi, and I think this is what we have fun with uh, as we were say, uh, speaking offline earlier, is that we're experimentalists. Like when we're trying to understand TikTok, yeah. you know, Reem created an account that was just documenting Put it Akawi. Out what, what is it? What is it? Oh, it's Akawi the cheese, right? Okay. And Jen? Jen? <laughs> Jen, we need to, we need to promote, we need to and promote yeah. Akawi we would the document does he, he know about it now? now? Yeah. He does now. Eventually, does. we have to tell him. And <laughs> the thing is, the thing is that I think ever. we we didn't want to tell him because we knew he was going to really like it. Yeah. And he's going to start promoting. So he goes, creates an account to follow that account about <laughs> him. Right. But um, but we just test and experiment it. Like, yeah. how else am I going to understand TikTok? Mm. Like, if I don't play. You've got to be involved mm. in it, right? You've got to be in it. You've got to be consuming it. Like, yeah. How else can you be right? having a conversation? And with, how with else? Yeah, and how else would I explain it to anybody? Mm. Yeah. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's this new cool app the kids are doing. But but then what? Yeah. How's it working? What do people do? What kind of content goes up there? What works and what doesn't? Like mm. unless you play ball, you won't learn sure. the game. Mm. And and how is that culture audience interested? Exactly. In how are they using? Yeah. It? And that's the that's the key because look, there's plenty of videos online in terms of how to technically use the platform, but how to use it from a an yeah. actual creator connecting uh, with yeah. your audience perspective yeah. that's a little bit different and and that was all reem like reem was like because reem as a content creator someone who's running a video production company mm. she, she understands the universe of video so well like mm. audio i understand videos reem's domain right so she decided all right let's just do this she was tired because i remember we we're asking some of our interns we we're asking some of the guys in the office and they're giving us these answers we're like okay cool we get that i remember we had an intern do a report on tiktok as yeah. well and just tell us everything there is to know okay. about it and Reem was like this doesn't work she went she goes on creates the account and just starts documenting mm. um and we what's great is that we entertain ourselves we are indeed mm. we're having fun with it we're entertained by it and that gives us coming to it with this open mind gives us that insight okay um and then on the other end like anything to do with lifestyle to do with sport to do with a lot of pieces of street culture Akawi has the savviness Sure. that i didn't like it's just he comes on board and he has a great history you know mm -hmm. being working at nike and then later on working with red bull and then yeah. working with a6 and he climbed the ladder really fast he knows that universe so well mm, yeah. so as soon as he comes on board like you throw him in any space and he will get you this new cool information that you didn't hear of and by training i'm a traditional strategist so it's just i am constantly curious and constantly learning by every conversation i have um a while back, we were to to get started on a project for Converse. Converse didn't have social medias locally, and they wanted to get you know create their accounts. Mm. And their target audience was thirteen to seventeen year olds. I'm like, I have no clue. What yeah. am I going to talk to them about, or how am I going to do this? So, we invited a bunch of high school kids to the office. We brought pizzas for everybody, and we just hang out for a day. We mm. had our PlayStation, we had our TVs, we had Netflix, we had computer games. We chilled, we hung out, and we just spent a few days with them just to understand. And some of it, like, at some points we had, you know, focus groups and we spoke mm. to them, which is like the old model. But to be honest, I, we learned the most of when we're like, all right, we're done. You guys can chill as they were waiting for their parents. Mm. And we just sat there and watched them and watched their mm. interactions and how they were together and who starts pulling their phone first and how that dynamic operates. What and are they, what they doing yeah, yeah, online? Because you tell me one thing, but then I see you doing something else. I'm like, okay, mm. that's great. Yeah. I would have not thought about that. Yeah. Right. And then that gives us that uh, piece of information, that insight. So 
it goes back to what I was saying, it's just openness to talk to anybody mm. and everybody with yeah. no judgment and just you're generally there to learn. Mm. So we realized that's that's what we're great at. And then we had uh, one of our guys, Danny, is his background is in sports photography. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, I don't even know how you do that. Like he would he would, he'd run with you just to document your run. Yeah. And nice. I'm like, well, yeah, I, I don't have that bandwidth, but hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. go ahead, Danny. Yeah. And then I'd learn some new stuff from him. So every everybody's an opportunity of knowledge okay and that's how i try to look at it and that's what's been teaching us the most i came from radio from a hip-hop culture from music from you know baggy pants cisco like hair and trying to break dance you know mm. to now i try to just i'm still always my jordans but i'd wear a suit with my jordan yeah. and like you know as you're getting older you find your your own definition for it but yeah. when i sit with the street culture kids i understand them a lot better mm. And that helps us kind of figure out that dynamic. Um, when we were in, we, we were going flying back and forth from Saudi a lot now for different projects. And while we're there, first thing we did, we're going to Saudi. Who do we know? Okay. We went through our phones. I got my cousin here. I know this guy here. Oh, some friends of mine are part of the Tilfaz 11 group. Let's nice. go hang out with them. We went and hung out mm. with them in their offices for a few days. Mm. And we just connected with people on the street. And mm. that is how you just kind of find your way and it's navigate because like, i don't know the city like, yeah somebody tell me what's and then learning the difference between riyadh and jeddah and najd and hijaz and learning about tabuk and damam yeah. and how are they different in their language and their vernacular and their yeah. slang is so different mm. you know and i'm like this is incredible how's nobody talking about mm. this yeah so that's kind gonna of be a lot of like really interesting culture coming out of saudi i think it's it's been it's such a insane. Uh, uh like a, a capsule of of culture yeah of, uh, arts yeah. and uh, yeah, heard, music um, so i think um, Kaswar Al Khatib from U-Turn, um, yeah. who's the CEO of U-Turn. Uh, I've heard this guy speaks many times, and one of the things that I've learned so much, it was a statement that became, you know, a, a reminder back in my head, and I use, and it helps me a lot with the cancer, and that gave me sort of redefine our purpose. He, used to, he said that in one of his talks that as the GCC, as the Middle East, we're heavily importers of culture, mm-hmm. and we still are. Yes. I mean. I speak with an with an mm-hmm. accent, you know. Mm-hmm. You, mm-hmm. If you played rock music, that that's an imported piece yeah, of culture, right? Yeah. And that was a big part of Saudi because mm-hmm. of media. But then what they were exporting is old Saudi stations that did not represent them as Saudi culture of what has actually happened on the street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when YouTube kicked off, yeah. now I can tell the world about Saudi yeah, the yeah. way we the way we really are. Yeah. And suddenly we switched that narrative and became exporters of our culture, which is why wow. everybody t- like and but and the thing is that if you look at it throughout history, this knowledge is there. Le- if you wanted to make it as an Arabic singer, you're either singing in Lebanese or Egyptian, mm. because guess what? They were the yeah, media true. superpowers yeah. for the longest time. Yeah. Now people understand Saudi accents and Saudi slang. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which yeah. they didn't before, because over the past 10 years, that was YouTube. Main accents, yeah. right? So in, in, in closing. You, um, you, I, I think you're in a very u- unique position, and you know, as Dee was saying, then the what we're seeing happening in Saudi now is in, it's incredible from mm. a culture perspective, from yeah. uh, a business perspective, from an entertainment perspective, from many many different areas. It's it's almost like a, a forbidden kingdom to the rest of the world yeah. that's yeah. now <laughs> being opened up. That you know, we're we're starting to hear stories, we're starting to understand a new culture, and it's just on our doorstep. And I think we're very very fortunate. I think yeah. certainly in, in your space as well, it must be like mind blowing. Oh the, the stories, the the culture, I'm, the, I'm the, geeking the, out. Le- the levels, yeah. the depth, yeah. all yeah. of it. So, um, in closing, if there's a if there's a brand, if there's uh, a startup entrepreneur, if there's somebody in this space that's looking to connect, not just with Saudi, but mm. just with that cultural space in general that you sit in as a consultant mm-hmm. um a couple of things that that to do and certainly a couple of things not to do okay 
um, I think further to do when speaking to anybody in that space, always going in with, I actually don't know what I'm doing. Tell me. So mm. I know hip hop very well. Mm. I don't know rock music that much. So if I'm sitting with a rock musician, mm. tell me about your world. Um, just being humble in the approach. That's mm. just like really genuinely. I'm genuinely yeah. interested. Yeah. Let's have this conversation. Teach me. Okay. And saying that to a 12 year old as well, you know, yeah, like, okay. like, I actually don't understand. Like, what do you guys do? What do you think is fun? Yeah. You know, when you're hanging out with your friends, do you guys still hang out at the mall the way we did? Or what are you, what are you guys <laughs> yeah. doing now? Yeah, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that that's one of the biggest things that I've, I've learned a lot from. Because the only way I can tell clients or tell businesses or anybody that I'm working with that I'm a consultant is because I managed to get this piece Stay of information. Yeah. Right. And the relevancy as we age is really important. Um, like, I, ha- I speak to my younger brothers constantly, mm. you know, and I get to find out what they do. Um, so that's always the do is just the staying mm. humble, no judgment. Mm. Teach me about your world. Um, the don'ts is assumptions. Okay. Um, I think as the marketing advertising industry, we're quite notorious for that. Yeah. Um, it's as an, an, it's especially an, when it comes it's to metrics. Insight, so. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. an insight. Then they're like all this age group. Let's speak to them, which is yeah, just yeah. mind blowingly yeah. wrong. Yeah. 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 Right. And then so we assume because we're maybe close at age that we understand it or yeah. we know it really well, um, which we don't. Um, so that's why now we always reach out to advisory boards. I mean, we're working on a cool, really cool project at the moment. And we've, um, our, mus- our guys in the studio, they actually created, um, a, they created a soundtrack for the video. Okay. And it was something that we composed in-house and we were really excited about it. And I didn't understand half of it. I sent it to the client and he tells me, hey man, I'm a hip hop head. What is this? We don't get it. This doesn't work. I was like, mm. you know what? I don't either. <laughs> but for some reason they loved it the guys in the studio loved it we asked yeah. the target audience and they loved it and they got it and the best part is they walked out humming and chanting the tune so yeah. I'm like I think we're Something onto something working, yeah. it's working yeah. I'm like yeah. this is not for us this is for them you know so we don't have to like it but there's the ego of so many we come up against there's the ego of so oh, many yeah. clients to be like I have to love it I, if I don't yeah. like it we're not putting it out we're like but we're not trying to speak to you yeah, yeah. yeah. like you're completely yeah. the wrong audience like yeah. you're 20 years out <laughs> so like you from yeah. the wrong part of the world like it's it doesn't matter if you don't like yeah. it it matters yeah. if your target audience yeah. likes right? it yeah um, or and, and, and get and I think playing like yeah. you do ultra marathons mm. I only started running last year as part of my health journey yeah okay. and I went from doing barely doing 500 meters without stopping yeah to doing 10k and it's because of Stefan I ran nice. with Stefan and Stefan nice. helped me and nice. Reem and I and to be honest Akawi got me to run Definitely. and he was bullish yeah. he would drag me out of the house to go for a run and I hated it I would want to run you know and then I got to a point where like I'm not gonna run with Akawi I'm running with Stefan now nice. <laughs> you know <laughs> level up <laughs> <laughs> like but I had to play every single day yeah. and like and credit to them because if it wasn't for them I would have not been anywhere remotely close to being mm-hmm. a runner um, I'm still not Amazing. a runner but you know, they got me to run. I, There's I no definition 10K. of runner. You run, right? you run. Yeah, yeah. Simple as that. That's no, it. You, you actually to, run. You don't have That's to do it. a certain distance to be yeah. a runner. Right? And, and, I, and I learned that. And, you know, I see Stefan competing and then we'd go for a nice little jog at the beach. And I'm like, I thought you can run faster than this. And he looks at me like, no, bro, come on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, but how else would, if I wanted to understand a runner's world, how else was I going to know yeah. if I didn't you start running? Yeah. And, um, and that's always been a great school of just let's just play and figure mm. it out. Mm. Um, we did Be some humble and play. Huh? Yeah, we, d- we did some work for Nike for basketball. And I used to play basketball years ago and I know that world very well. Yeah. Um, but Akawi plays basketball three times a week. So like, hey, man, 
this is more you than it is me. Yeah. Right. Um, we're going through this journey of inside generation and understanding the UAE basketball scene. Mm, nice. I was like, he and he knew, and I didn't even need to say anything. Like the excitement just says yeah, a lot, nice. you know. Yeah. And he's like, oh my god, we'll do this and we'll talk to these people. And he started throwing names that I haven't heard of. Yeah. And I found out one of the guys that we brought in to have a chat with, I knew his elder brothers from back in the day. Okay. And now this guy's a Division One basketball player okay. today. Okay. And I'm like, nice. this is incredible. Like it's just yeah. these generations coming together as well. Nice. I, so I love the approach to it. It's um, it's the that constant thirst for really understanding the target audience, mm-hmm. which is coming through in everything you're saying, whether it be yeah. through from your, your cousins in, in the apartment, whether it be through the kids you invite into yeah. the um, to the house of 24 hours to understand them, whether it be yeah. through a cow in, in basketball. It's, it, it's, I see that as your strategic planner, yeah. kind of trying <laughs> fighting to get out in this culture world. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's great to see because so many big brands are just not doing it. Mm-hmm. There's so many times that we're in a meeting and, and we're asking them about their audience so that like, we should be able to get insights from mm-hmm. them they know who they're speaking to but then they don't really have mm-hmm. that information there's no one in their management team that's even close to their target audience mm-hmm. so then it becomes quite difficult and so how do you tackle that um there, there are a number of ways it, it's 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 finding people as, as, mm-hmm. as you're saying so speaking to anyone that we might know that's in that space it might be through um through data and through analysis and through tools that we use there's a mm-hmm. few different tools that we can use to um you know to see who's talking about what and you know how's that changed over time and um is there an evolution of conversation and is there an insight to be found in there um so that's that, that that's another way but I think the way that you're doing it by taking a human approach to all of this, and not just saying we've got a software and we plug some keywords into it <laughs> yeah, and it tells yeah. us some stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, and that's kind of that's advertising tech Martech yeah. space, but you're doing it from a very, very human perspective. Yeah. And I think there's a lot that anyone that's listening to it, that's trying to connect with it with any audience. I think there's a lot of takeaways there yeah. um, because I think you guys are doing it right. And I don't think that many of the larger agencies are. So yeah. I think yeah. you as a, as a consultant and yeah. as a consultancy, mm-hmm. I think I can really see the value in what mm-hmm. you I guys do. I feel like do, it's the so. analog way of understanding your fans. Yeah, it is. You gotta go back to it in some way, you know? So maybe but I feel like, can, and you guys are doing that with the podcast too. Yeah. I mean, every guest that comes here has a nugget to share and they're like, oh, this is sure, great. Yeah. This is something. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's been incredible. Yeah. You know, for us, it's a learning ground for sure. Selfishly for us, but also for everyone that listens to the listeners as well. Yeah, for sure. And that's why like, even now that we shifted to the Ken Media with multiple podcasts, mm. I'm learning a lot more from the other shows. Sure. Nice. I mean, listening to your episode with Stefan, like, yeah. oh my God, this guy's incredible, <laughs> you know? And then we have another show with Maya where it's just the most revolutionary Arab women of our time. And mm-hmm. I'm just learning about them and what they've done. And it's giving me all these new insights that I've never thought of. Amazing. And it's just, it became that structure. We're like, okay, different shows, different topics, different journeys. Reem has um, the Mina Bites drop, which is the, uh, the latest news in tech VC and startup in the region. Nice. I'm like, wait, that's happening here? There's yeah. that much investments in tech and in startup and these are apps that people here are developing yeah. because you don't hear some don't of that. Hear as well. So, and this is it. And like, and I think that's something that I learned from the podcast that my biggest insights come from conversations. For sure. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Great. Mate, well, look, Thanks thank you very time. much for coming on the Thanks show. Thanks for having me. Uh, it was mate, outstanding. Some, some real nuggets there. A lot of information uh, for people in, in, in this space. So thank you very much for your time. Thanks we for really having appreciate me. it. Um, guys, thank you for tuning in. Uh, those of you on the video, those of you listening on the podcast, um, we will be back <laughs> next Wednesday. Uh, Jenna, we lined up for next Wednesday. She's not right. Cool, yes, we're good. Um, guys, cheers. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. Thanks, dude. Appreciate it. Don't leave, don't leave, don't leave.